0: You know, usually at the start of a new year, we all go into this goals and res- resolutions mode, right? How many of you have done that already? Just kind of gone into, okay, going to set some new goals, going to set some new resolutions, and I'm going to do it this year, I promise. I'm going to get it done this year. And so anyway, with with this, uh, the re-series that Todd started uh, last Sunday, um and that he's going to be doing, and with the reconference this week, and, and also um, in connection with the week of prayer and fasting that we just came off of, was that just not a wonderful time? Were you all here yesterday? Yeah, we, we passed a good time yesterday. Yeah, It was good. It was good. You know, again, I've just been asking the Lord to show me what would be a good way to start off the year 2015. You know, it's January. We have a fresh start. We're, we're not even into the middle of January. And so it's just asking the Lord, Lord, you know, we're starting a re conference. Uh, I mean, we're, uh, a re series, a re conference. We're just coming off of prayer and fasting. Lord, give me a word. What, what um, to share with these ladies to just kind of help motivate you to, um, to just have more hope for this year, you know, and just be more encouraged to, um, to just really pursue after the lord this year and and the word uh the lord just kept dropping a word in my spirit and the word was regrounding regrounding um what does that word mean what does that word regrounding mean well i had to look it up in the dictionary cuz i wanted to know exactly what it meant and so um actually i did not found the find the word regrounding in the dictionary but I did find the word ground. And um, the word ground actually had several different definitions, and they had several it had several several different uses. One, it, uh, it could be used as a noun, and it can also be used as a verb. As you can tell, had, grammar was, I enjoyed that in school anyway. Um, now, what I found to be interesting was that I actually discovered a noun definition and a verb definition that were that were similar. And I felt like, you know, they just really came into agreement with my spirit of what the Lord was trying to speak to me as far as what regrounding means. So um, as a noun, the word ground means foundation, that which supports anything. And if you use it as a verb, you can use it... Um, in reference meaning to found, to fix firmly on a foundation. So as a noun, it means that which supports anything, a foundation, and as a verb, it means to fix firmly on a foundation. And so the prefix, re, is a prefix, and it means to return, to bring back, or to restore. Thus, we have the word regrounding, to return, bring back, or restore our foundation, that which fixes us firmly to. Does that make sense? Yeah? Now, in reference to 2014, how many of you could say that 2014 was a crazy year for you? Yeah? for some of for some of you, twenty fifteen started out that way, right? It's like trials were banging on your door January one, yeah, some people brought in the new year in the hospital and in trials and in and all kinds of craziness, you know um, and you you barely started twenty fifteen and you're already tired and discouraged now praise the Lord for the week of prayer and fasting because I really feel like. The Lord just really did a work and and helped us just kind of break through all that stuff, but you know, um, it life has a way of just kind of making you feel not just trials, right? But life it has a way of making you feel crazy, uh, uprooted. That's that's a word that I've really could describe what 2014 was like for me. Uprooted or a tumultuous, like a whirlwind. Can anybody can just kind of uh does that uh agree with your spirit or with your your year if you look at your calendar? You know, I thought about Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz in her house, you know, just in that it's like so for some of us 2014 was like that. And it's just like, you know, I just want to go home. You just you know, I just want this thing to land, you know. And so um the Lord led me to the scripture in Matthew chapter 7, uh, where Jesus talked about two men who each built a house. One built his house on a rock and the other built his on the sand. And we're all very familiar with that scripture, right? In Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it had its foundation on the rock. It was grounded. It was grounded. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And the rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. Now, you know, again, you know, we, a lot of t- for a lot of us, 2014 was just kind of like felt just like a whirlwind, right? Just like just this upheaval. And, um, and, and again, referring back to, to prayer and fasting, we, we got a lot of breakthroughs. And actually, prayer and fasting was a great example of a time of regrounding, right? Prayer and fasting helped us to refocus, to, uh, get our, um, get our, um, pr- uh, priorities in order to uh, refuel, to just really press in and seek God for his will for our lives and just really refocus on really what matters and what counts, right? Prayer and fasting was a perfect example of a regrounding. And um, so tonight I want to actually just continue in in, and along the vein of that, in the vein of that of regrounding. And so, you know, number one, prayer and fasting is a way that we can reground, that we can Go back to that foundation, right? To get our, get ourselves planted on some, some firm foundation to get our, our land legs back, right? We want to get our land legs back. And so tonight I just want to give you a few more suggestions on how we can reground. Okay. And then I'm going to, we're going to pray and we'll let you go home. So, um, when we don't just need uh, a spiritual regrounding we we need a physical regrounding sometimes an emotional regrounding we just need to be regrounded right spirit soul and body before we put on our running shoes and run the race of twenty fifteen or take the year by storm we want to be we want to be grounded right you don't want to just be crazy about it right so the um the first thing I want to talk about um is we reground when we rest. We reground when we rest. You know, some of us travel through life at the speed of light with no brakes and no seatbelt. That is the typical woman, right? The typical woman. We travel through life at the speed of light with no seatbelt and no breaks. And you know, it's true. It seems like there aren't enough hours in the day, right? On there's, or there's not enough energy in our system that that, um, that we need to do everything that in our minds is important and what needs to get done, right? And a lot of times we just start off the day worn out. Have you ever felt that way? you just roll out of bed and you're worn out, you know, because in your mind, you're you're still doing things in your sleep that, you know, you're making lists, you know, before you go to bed of things that you need to get done. And so you, you go to bed with anxiety. You go to bed unrested, you know, and so you wake up unrested. And so you might think, you know what, I just, I don't have time to rest. There are too many demands. I have a house. I have a husband. We have children, Um, I have meals, I have homework, I have a job, I have a dog, I have a cat, I have a hamster, I have it all. There's just too much to do. And then on top of all that are the trials that I'm going through. The financial trials, the physical trial, the physical illness, the relational issues that I'm having. I can't stop and rest. I can't take a break. I can hardly keep up as it is. I'm just barely... Uh, just now, barely keeping my head above water. Is that you? Okay, good. I have someone to teach to preach tonight, then too. Okay, so, but I want you to think about this question. Okay, in regards to everything that we need to do, what is it that really keeps us from resting? Is it really navigating through trial while juggling life, or is it really the worry attached to all of those things. For many of us, worry is the fuel of our soul. We run on high-octane worry. We are worried that if we don't do it, then it won't get done. We're worried that if we don't say it, then it won't get said. We are worried that if we don't fix it, then it won't get fixed. Right? Do you all agree with me there? Am I the only one that feels that way? Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34 says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Jesus said that. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about what? Your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Oh. He was saying, he was talking to a woman there. How many of you have a pile of clothes on your floor that you tried on before, just before you came here and nothing worked? Yeah. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Tanya, are you comparing me to a pagan? No, the Bible is. (laughs) And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, And all of these things will be given to you as well. How does that happen? How does that happen? Does that just like miraculously happen? It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, so many Christians live in a terrible state of anxiety. But what good has worrying ever accomplished in your life? Think about that. What good has ever come out of you worrying? Has it ever made you stronger? Has it ever helped you to do God's will? Has it ever provided a way of escape from a situation? You know, when I think about that, it makes me wonder at all that Martha missed out on while Jesus was at her and her sister Mary's house. How much did she really miss out on? Because she was so busy and, and so worried. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She was distracted, the Bible said. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about so many things, but only one thing is needed and Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. You know, I think it wasn't necessarily what Martha was doing, but why she was doing it. Right? The Bible, Jesus clear. Jesus read her mail. You know, it's not what she was doing. He said, Martha, Martha, You are so worried and upset about so many things. And he said, Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. You are basically allowing this worry and this anxiety and being upset to take away what I have for you. And how many of us, how many times have we just been so guilty to do that? We allow worry and the busyness of life and our to-do list to just take away everything that God really wants for us because we choose not to sit at his feet and rest. There's a scripture, it's Psalm uh, 46, verse 10, and it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I am God. And I've read this. uh, Someone said one time, it was very powerful. We are extremely noisy within ourselves. We are loud even when we say nothing. But God's voice demands the silence of the soul. Think about that. You know, we can be sitting on the couch and thinking, you know, I'm just going to take a breather here. And we're sitting on the couch just trying to, but our mind is going 90 to nothing. Yeah. And so the scripture says, be still and know that I am God. It's not about just sitting on your bum and, you know, and, but it's about getting not just your body still, but your spirit, your mind, and your soul to get it focused, to get it quiet so that your ears can hear what God has to say because again we are so extremely noisy within ourselves right most of the time we can't hear god's voice because we're screaming too loud on the inside right we need to quiet that little that voice inside of us that sounds like us right we are loud even when we say nothing but god's voice demands the silence of the soul philippians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And verse 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have we really, truly ever experienced that verse? The peace of God which transcends all understanding. Have we ever really truly experienced that in our lives? God declares this kind of peace to be an inheritance of those who have learned to rest in him. It's our inheritance. It's ours for the taking. But it's only for those who have learned to rest in him. So how do we rest? How do we rest? That's a good question. Does anybody know the answer to that? You know, I believe since we can't make time to rest, you know, think about that. We preach that all the time. You need to make time to rest. You need to make time to rest. And in my mind, I'm thinking, if I could make time to rest, I would create one extra hour in the day. That's how I would make time to rest. But God knows that even if I could do that, even if I could make one more hour in a day, I probably wouldn't use it for what it's intended for. So since we can't make time to rest, we must take time to rest. We have to take it from something else. Now, does that mean, okay, does that mean now now I can call in work sick because I need to rest? No, no. You cannot call into work sick or you can't say, you know what, kiddos, no supper tonight. Mommy's got to take time from somewhere to rest. So you guys are on your own. The cereal in the cabinet, you know. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. We have to take time from the things that have no value. Think about it. The things that have no value. No earthly or spiritual value. Those things that are just going to burn up anyway, right? You know, the Bible says in Matthew 14 that Jesus withdrew to a solitary place. Do you think that Jesus was just, he had time to do that? Oh, yeah, I have a free hour on my hands. You know, I'm not healing anybody right now. I'm not multiplying any bread or loaves uh, loaves or fish. I'm just going to go ahead and take some time off. No, Jesus took time. And the Bible says that he went to a solitary place. Now, solitary place does not equal TV, a place where you can sit in front of a TV or you can get onto Facebook. Jesus didn't have that. There was no TV. There was no Facebook. There was no Instagram. And there was no Pinterest. So Jesus' solitary place meant he found a place to go where he could rest in the presence of his Lord, it was just him and God, him and his father. And so when, when I say we need to take time to rest, we need to find a place where there's no TV, where there's no cell phones, where there's no Facebook, there's no Instagram, there's no Pinterest and, and invest that time in resting in God's presence, reading his word, and even just saying nothing. Just sitting still and closing your eyes and just meditating on the Lord. We need to take time from things that have no value. Yeah? How many things do we do in the course of the day that have no value? Think about it. Think about it. I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I I check my Facebook probably, I'm not even going to say how many times a day. Yeah? Yeah? And you probably do the same thing. You probably check your Facebook when you're not supposed to, like when you're driving, right? So we have to take time to rest. Susanna Wesley, are you familiar with her? You might be familiar with the story. But Susanna Wesley, she's the mother of John Wesley and Charles Wesley. She had 19 children. Her method of withdrawing would be to sit in her favorite chair and throw her apron over her head. And let me tell you, every one of her 19 children knew that this was her time with God. And to disturb her, with the, with the exception of an emergency, would result in severe punishment. So, some of you may need to go to Walmart and buy yourselves an apron. <laughs> and I want to read this devotional real quick to you that um, I just thought went really well with, with this point. And the scripture is, he went out to the field one evening to meditate. And it says, we would be better Christians if we spent more time alone. And we would actually accomplish more if we attempted less and spent more time in isolation and quiet waiting upon God. The world has become too much a part of us, and we are afflicted with the idea that we are not accomplishing anything unless we are busily running back and forth. We no longer believe in the importance of a calm retreat where we sit silently in the shade. As the people of God, we have become entirely too practical. We believe in having all of our irons in the fire and that all the time we spend away from the anvil or fire is wasted time. Yet our time is never more profitably spent than when we set aside time for quiet meditation, talking with God and looking up to heaven. We can never have too many of these open spaces in life. Hours set aside when our soul is completely open and accessible to any heavenly thought or influence that God may be pleased to send our way. Someone once said, Meditation is the Sunday of the mind. In these hectic days, we should often give our mind a Sunday. A time in which it will do no work, but instead will simply be still, look heavenward, and spread itself before the Lord like Gideon's fleece, allowing itself to be soaked with the moisture dew of heaven. We should have intervals of time when we do not, when we do nothing, think nothing, and plan nothing. But simply lie on the green lap of nature and rest a while. Isn't that good? You know, when we take, when we rest, not only do we, um, we reground, but we reground an atmosphere for our families, for our children, right? For our husbands, for our lives. We, we reground ourselves emotionally so we can be not just physically, but emotionally so, so that we can be the best version of ourselves for our families. Number two, we reground when we reconnect intimately with Jesus. We reground when we connect intimately with Jesus. Why is it that we so easily get overwhelmed? and anxious, and frustrated, and weary, and discouraged, and disillusioned, and disheartened, and disappointed, and fearful, and frazzled. Did I miss anybody? Why is it that we get to those places so quickly? So quickly. Sometimes it seems like it's at the drop of a hat. It's because we are disconnected. We are disconnected. In John chapter 15, verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. So why do we have all this craziness That happens so quickly in our lives because we're like we're like branches that are not connected to the vine. You know, if you think about fresh cut flowers, how long does a fresh cut flower last once you cut it off of that bush? About a week. Right. And even if it's sitting in water, it's good. It dies. It gets it doesn't have any life constantly flowing through it and nurture constantly flowing through it. And that's what we're like. When we are disconnected from the vine of Jesus, we, we dry up really quick. And like the Bible says, we're just like these dead branches that are just picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. We need to reconnect with Jesus on an intimate level. And some people feel awkward and uncomfortable saying Jesus and intimacy in the same sentence. And I believe it's because we equate intimacy only with the physical. But there's actually different levels of intimacy. There's um, there's physical intimacy, intimacy. There's emotional intimacy. There's intellectual intimacy. And there's spiritual intimacy. Spiritual intimacy is actually the deepest level of intimacy that we can go. Deeper than the physical. And that's the intimacy that Christ is calling us to. Yeah? Intimacy with Christ is our greatest need. It's the greatest need that we have, more so than a physical, more so than emotional, more so than intellectual. We need Jesus, not just his word and not just his works in our life. We need Jesus himself. He's the only one that keeps us grounded. He's the anchor in our storm. He's our firm foundation when the winds of life try to knock us down. He's the generator of power when all of our other power lines are down. He's our all in all. And I believe that we have redefined Christianity even without realizing it. We have redefined Christianity. Christianity actually is fundamentally a love relationship with God that's available through Jesus. That's what Christianity is. We were just singing about God's love. Christianity is a love relationship with God that's available through Jesus. What we know best is how to work for God, not how to commune with God. Christian service has become the substitute for intimacy with the Lord. So what ends up happening is we become impoverished in our spirit. And unfortunately, the implications of this are bad workaholism, burnout, broken families, emotional upheaval. We cannot replace. We need to know the Lord. We need to know about the Lord and we need to serve him faithfully. Yes, but we cannot replace that with true intimacy with him. Yeah, those two things will. They're not enough to stay to sustain us in the trials of life or even just in life in general, those things will not sustain us. We must grow to know Christ intimately. And I love this saying, we can survive without intimacy, but we cannot thrive without it. We can survive without it, but we cannot thrive without it. Without it. And how many of you feel like you are just in survival mode right now, that you're just barely keeping your head above water? We, can't, we can not We survive without intimacy, but we cannot thrive. And I love that new song that's out about we were made to thrive. You, I don't know if you know that song. I love that song. So how do we grow in intimacy with Christ? Number one, we need to open up to Jesus the deepest, darkest, most hidden places of our hearts. Think about it. We, we become intimate with Christ when we open up to Jesus, the deepest, darkest, most hidden places of our heart. You know, true intimacy is not just knowing someone, right? We know a lot of people, but we're not intimate with them. It's not just knowing them, but it's also being known by them. It's a two-way street. Sharing secrets of our hearts, minds, and souls finding that safety in each other and even, and being able to give ourselves completely to one another. So it's not just knowing someone it's being known by someone. That's where intimacy is developed. And this is the kind of intimacy that Jesus wants to have with us, not just for us to know him, but to be known by him, to know him and to be known by him, to love him, and to be loved by him that's the intimacy that jesus is calling us to so why are we so scared to a lot of us are so scared to let jesus go to those dark places those deep places of our heart why why is that that we we limit god to cer- to certain areas of our lives i believe it's because we have taken the pain and broken trust that has come upon us as a result of our negative experiences with others we've taken those negative experiences and superimposed them onto Jesus. So we don't trust Jesus. But can I dare to say that the God we are afraid to trust is not the true and living God? If that is you, if you feel like you don't trust God, can I dare to say that that is not the true and living God? But that is a God that we have a false God that we have created with clay of pain, the clay of pain, that's not the true and living God. The true and living God is the God of the Bible that says in Hebrews chapter 13, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In Psalm 9, he says, those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Isaiah 49 says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Psalm 27 verse 10 says, even if my mother and my father abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. This is the true. And living God. This is the God that wants to have intimacy with us. The God that I was talking about earlier before we got started, perfect God, who does everything in perfection because his love is not broken like our love, and his compassion is not broken like ours, and He he's perfect through and through, right? And that's the kind of God that wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and so it's okay for us to open up our hearts and our lives to him, because we know that it's not in his nature to hurt us. He can't do it. The Bible says that God is love, so it's not in his nature to hurt us. And so we reground when we allow him to go into those deep areas of our life and develop just that intimacy with him, to know him, but to be known by him. You know, and we limit we limit the information we want to let God know about us, right? Even though we know he knows everything anyway, we won't let him go there. We won't let him acknowledge those things. And I thought about, whenever I thought about those places in our lives, those deep places in our lives, I thought about the depths of the ocean. Think about how deep the ocean is, really. The, the deepest part of the ocean— you know, that part of the ocean is cold down there, right? It's dark. It's deep. They probably have some scary monsters down there. And and if you think about it, you can't, in you without proper gear, you cannot go down that deep because the pressure will kill you. There's a lot of pressure. And whenever I think about our lives, I think about our lives like the ocean. There are some areas of our life that is deep it's dark down there. Some places in our heart is cold in there. There's a lot of pressure and we're afraid that if we go there or we allow Christ to go there, that we won't survive it. And we're afraid to go down there because we know that there's probably some scary monsters down there, right? But here's the thing, you know, Just like if you have the proper gear to get to the bottom of the ocean, and if you've watched some shows that show you that, when they get to the bottom of that ocean, some of the most beautiful treasures are found down there, right? Some of the biggest pearls, some of the most beautiful wildlife, some of the most beautiful plants, the most beautiful things the human eye can lay eyes on are down in the depths of that ocean. And in our minds, we think that down in the depths of our hearts, in our lives, in those deep, dark places, those broken places, those hidden places, that there's nothing down there but ugliness. But I want to tell you that if you let Christ go down deep in there, he will get past that dar- darkness and he will go all the way down to the depths where the beauty is. And he will bring up that beauty. He will bring up that those pearls. He has to go through that darkness. He has to go through the big monsters and he has to go through the, the scary parts. But below that is beauty. And he wants to bring that out in us. But we have to let him go there. You know, and and I believe that we will never truly experience the depths of God's love and provision if we don't allow him into the deepest places of our hearts. We will only experience the depth of his love to the degree or to the level that we will allow him to go into our lives. And he wants to go deeper. You know, truly God is in the darkness, ladies. He's in there. And our, you know, our experiences with him are greater in our dark places in life than when we are in a good place. We will have more, uh, better experiences with God, more powerful, more beautiful experiences with God in the darkest, deepest places of our lives than we could ever have in our good places. Because the scripture says that it's those who mourn that he comforts. He comes to comfort the brokenhearted. He come, he came to heal the sick, not those who, who are well, you know. He, he comforts those who mourn and he heals the brokenhearted. And so we need to allow our, him to come into those places of our lives to develop that intimacy, that true intimacy that ultimately keeps us grounded. Because when we can allow him to go in those areas and really experience his goodness, then we can trust him that he will keep us. He will keep our feet on the foundation no matter what happens in life. No matter what the trials are in life, the winds will blow, the storms will come, the waves will toss, they may throw come over our heads, it may pull us under, but we will not drown, we will not be burned, we will be grounded on the rock of Jesus. We will be fine. We will be better than fine because he will cause everything that God that the enemy meant for harm to work for your good. Amen. And so intimacy, intimacy with Jesus, think about that, is what regrounds us. Um, and again, we grow in intimacy when we worship. Think about just what we did at the beginning of the evening when we worship. You know, worship um, is an awakening of the intimate presence of Christ that is present deep within our being. You know, worship, it, we were born we were created to worship so it's in there for some of us as I, like i was praying earlier about our spirits to be awakened worship is it's it's in our spirit and so if our spirit is asleep then then our worship is asleep but so when we begin to worship it awakens our spirit and it awakens a, in such an intimate presence of Christ that's already deep in there It just wakens it up. John chapter 4 and verse 23 says, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. See, worship is an inward communication Communion and adoration that engages the Spirit. When we worship, our Spirit connects with God's Spirit. You will never see worship ever different, uh, the same way ever again. And every time you come to church and you worship, I want you to get that mental picture of your spirit connecting with God's spirit, an intimacy with God, an intimacy with Jesus. That's what grounds us is when we can connect to the vine, connect with Jesus through worship. In wor- and, and what happens when we worship, not only do we connect, but we make an exchange, right? We, we exchange mourning for dancing. We exchange anxiety for peace, weariness for rest, weakness for strength. And all of this comes in divine doses, divine doses. So when you're worshiping, you're not, you're not just giving God what is, what is rightfully his, you are in an intimate time with God. You are you are connecting with God. He is regrounding you spiritually to give you everything that you need to move on in the course of the day. That's why we have worship every Sunday. It's, it's to build your spirit, man, to minister to the Lord, but also to reground you. Yeah? How many times do you leave here after worship and you feel so much better than we, when you first got here? It regrounds us. And number three, we reground when we receive all that the Lord has made available to us. We have to receive it. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 says, Praise be to God the Father and the Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding now in this passage of scripture paul is assuring the um, believers in the uh, in ephesus that they have received every blessing they need through christ he made it it's there for them then they can rec- for them to receive And that even as they struggled, Jesus made a way for them to be holy and blameless in God's sight. Even when we struggle, we have the provisions that we need. We can still receive it. We don't have to wait till we're better. We can receive it even in our struggle. We can receive it. He was telling them that through Christ, they are sons and daughters of God. Recipients of great gifts, redeemed by his blood and heirs to the glorious riches of God, God's grace. It was freely given, not given stingily, uh, but lavished upon them. I love that. You know, I think the people of God, as the people of God, we don't realize how much God has really provided for us. Yeah? Think about your children. Think about your children, your little ones they they really don't have a clue how much you've sacrificed for them. They really don't have a clue how much you really do for them, how much you provide for them emotionally, spiritually, physically, How much how much work it takes, and the price that you have paid. Most of them won't realize it until they're adults and they have their own children, right? And so we have to wait until that happens before they will actually really appreciate us. And I think sometimes as God's children... We have that same mindset. We really don't. We really don't have a, a, a grasp on how much that God has actually given to us. How how much He has actually provided for us. The price that He has actually paid for us. And we don't. We don't realize that. And we don't. And so it's like He's holding all of the stuff in His hand, and we won't take it. Because in our minds it just it doesn't look like it has a whole lot of value, right? Because when we're in storms of life, we think, oh nothing can help. You know, peace, I I, I can't deal with peace right now. They got too much going on. But God is saying, Yeah, but this peace is from me and it's perfect peace. And it surpasses your understanding. So if you would just taste it, if you would just try it just try it but we're just in our minds we think it's not going to be enough and we don't realize we don't realize how much god truly has for us in in respect to his provisions for us and so if we want to be grounded and if we want to reground we got to receive what god has for us whether we believe it's going to be enough or not by faith we got to receive it right? By faith, we got to receive it. Even though in our minds and our natural minds don't believe that it's going to be enough in Luke chapter 11, verse nine, and then we're going to close in prayer. It says, so I ask you, or so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find knock and the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives he who seeks, finds and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, it, or you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And that's the beauty about God's provision. All of God's rev- provisions for us. Are wrapped in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference between man made peace. And God made peace. That's why his peace surpasses all understanding. Because it has the power of the Holy Spirit. Attached to it. Amen. And so every. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from heaven above. It's because the Holy Spirit is with it. So everything that God gives us is the holy spirit is with us amen the holy spirit comes with us think about that think about that so just to recap how do we reground first of all we got to rest in jesus we have to rest secondly we need to respond to him we need to respond to his pursuit of, of for intimacy and we need to open up our hearts and pursue intimacy with him. We need to know him, but we need to we need to be known by him. We need to love him, but we need to be loved by him. And number three, we gotta receive. We gotta receive his provision. So if you would just stand with me, just close your Bibles, close your books, and you know what? We are gonna take some time right now. Okay? It's a little bit after eight o'clock. I don't want you to panic, all right? I want you to forget about the list that you need to do when you get home. We are going to take some time, some well-deserved time, and we're just going to just take a moment to just reground ourselves in the Lord. It doesn't take as long as you think it takes. You'll be pleasantly surprised. So if you will just bow your heads right now and just close your eyes. And I want you to quiet your spirit. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. God demands a quiet soul. He speaks to a quiet soul. The Bible says that he didn't talk in the thunders and he didn't talk in the lightning. He came and spoke in a still, small voice. And so I just want you to quiet your spirit man right now so that you can hear the voice of the Lord. Now, I want you to just, the weights that you've been carrying today, you may feel like you've just been walking around carrying this heavy bucket of rocks. I want to ju- you to just picture yourself just putting that bucket down right now. Letting, letting that bucket go. And I want you to enter into a rest in your mind, in your spirit, and in your body. And if you have to take a deep breath and just release it, so that you can just get some rest in your body. I want you to do that. Just rest in Jesus. you have just really been feeling like you've been disconnected, that you've been doing everything in your own strength and physically, emotionally, and spiritually, you just feel like you're starting to just dry up. You're losing momentum. You're just tired and you don't even know if you'll be able to make it through the rest of the year and it has already barely begun because you're disconnected. You don't feel like you're thriving. You feel like you're just surviving. Some of you might be in here and you have never felt connected. You don't know what it's like to feel connected. And if that's you tonight, I just want you to just say this simple prayer. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you connect with you I don't want to live life this life I don't want to navigate through this life alone anymore I need you to I need you to save me I need you to forgive me of my sins please forgive me I thank you for your blood I thank you for your cross and I accept you into my life I connect with you tonight I choose to connect my heart with yours tonight And if you just feel like you've just been disconnected. You've been saved. You know what it's like to have the fire of God. You know what it's like to experience God's power and God's love. But just whether it's just the the day-to-day experiences of life. Or some tragedies that have happened in your life. You feel like your lifeline has been cut. And you just feel disconnected. If that's you tonight. I want to ask you to just come to the altar right now just work your way to the altar and just find a spot find some space at the altar and create a create a create a safe place for you and the Lord to just reconnect reconnect the Holy Spirit is here God is here He was here the whole time. He was here the whole time. He was there the whole time you were going through that bad experience. He was with you the whole time. You didn't know it because you you were disconnected. But he was with you the whole time. And so I just want you to just open up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I choose to let you into that place. In my heart that I've been keeping you out of, I give you permission to go there. Go as deep as you need to go. I'm desperate, Lord. Go as deep as you need to go. I need intimacy with you. can't do it on my own anymore. you to all just recall a time when you felt deeply loved by God think about it, recall a time when you felt deeply loved by God and now I want you to multiply that feeling by a hundred thousand and then some that's how deep the Father's love is for us And that's how much he wants to lavish on us. More than we can ever imagine or think. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now I want you to just give him permission. Give him permission to connect with you. To reconnect with you. Some of you may have to take your hands off of something in your life so that he can put his hands on it just respond to his call for to you respond to his voice what is he saying to you right now what is he calling you to is he calling you to repentance is he calling you to a, a deeper walk is he calling you to a new commitment Is he calling you to a higher level? Is he calling you to give up something of the world that you've been hanging on to, that you have used to pacify yourself and to fill that void and that longing in your heart? Is he calling you to let something go? To let go of some security blankets that you've had for so many years? Is he calling you to let go of fear? Is he calling you to trust him? I want you to just respond to him now. Just say, I hear you, Lord. I hear you. Now I want you to just receive. Receive what God has for you. What is it that he wants to give you in replace of that thing that you're letting go? He's showing you. I guarantee you, he's showing you. He's saying, if you let this go, I will give you this. If you let that behavior go, I will give you this. If you let go of that fear, I will give you. He's speaking to you right now. What is he saying he has for you? receive it. You say, I receive what you have for me, Lord. I receive it. And I believe that it is enough. I believe that it's more than enough. I believe that not only will it sustain me, but it will cause me to thrive. It'll cause me to raise up above the water, to walk on the water. Just receive it. I get some altar workers, please, our, our altar workers, I want you to just come, and if you will, just come and just find a lady, and just come and pray in agreement with them, amen, they are, they're in the process of just coming to a place of regrounding, and just ask them what the Lord is showing them, ask them what is the Lord showing you that you need to do, and, and come into agreement with them. That God is going to do what he said he'll do. That he keeps his promises and he keeps his word. And just pray with them. Pray with them in agreement. The word says where two or more agree for anything here on earth, it shall be done by our Father in heaven. So we want to come in agreement with them. Thank you, Jesus. Now, if you're just sitting in the pew right now and and you just you're just feeling just the presence of the Holy Spirit on your life right now, I want you to take a moment right now. We have some prayer altar workers. They're, they're believing. I want you to receive right now. All right? I want you to just close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands. This is an opportunity for you to receive. He wants you to receive. He doesn't want you to labor tonight. He wants you to receive what he has for you. Just open up your heart to him. Open up your life to him. And in a minute, we're going to sing a worship song. And we're going to awaken our spirits again. We're going we're to join our spirit with God's spirit. We're going to connect our spirits with his spirit. And just have a time of regrounding. A time of worship. A time to connect intimately with Him. And a time to rest. Because even in worship, you can rest. Amen? I want you to just reground yourself. Don't don't miss out on this opportunity to, to get all that God has for you tonight. His Holy Spirit is here. It's like a blanket over you right now. Don't miss out. Don't miss out on what God has for you. Because you're, you're in a hurry to get out of here. Don't hurry yourself out of the presence of God. Because like Martha, you will, you will hurry yourself and you will worry yourself out of the, 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 uh, the blessings that God has for you. The very thing that you need, you will hurry yourself out of because you want to get out of here. But God has something for you. He has the very thing you've been asking him for. He has the very thing you've been praying and fasting for this last week. But if you hurry yourself out of here, you're going to miss out on that provision. Amen. Just cry out to God. Take this time to cry out to God and spend time with God. Connect with him. Connect with him on an intimate level. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I thank you for your spirit. That rests in this place tonight. I thank you, Father, for your anointing that breaks yokes. I thank you, God, that you speak to us, God. That you speak to us, God. And I pray, and I thank you, Father, that you are speaking to your daughters in here tonight. That, Father, not just the ladies at the altar, but every single one of us in here, God. You are speaking to us, God. You have something special for us, God. You have something specific for each one of us, Lord God. And Father, I pray, God, that as these ladies just take time, God, and take a minute to pursue you, that Father, that you would just open up the heavens, that you would just open up the heavens right now and pour out, pour out blessings upon them that they cannot contain, God. That you would bring their feet back on the firm foundation, that you would reground them in their uh, physically, that you would reground their spirits, that you would reground them emotionally, God, and that you would. Reground them spiritually, God. I thank you, Father, for the power and the of the presence of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God, for the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. And I pray, God, Your anointing, Your anointing, Your anointing, like warm oil, like warm oil, to just rest upon your church tonight in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Lord. Oh,
1: become more aware of your presence.
0: Just stand with me and I pray a blessing over you. And again, just thank you so much for coming out tonight. I hope I hope that you, you received a word from the, from, uh, from the Lord tonight. And I hope that you leave here refreshed and refilled and refueled and refocused and, um, and regrounded and restful. Amen. So let me pray for you. Father, I just pray for every lady in here tonight, God. And I thank you for your sweet presence and your sweet word. And, Father, I just pray, God, that as these ladies have just come here tonight, that, Father, that you are supernaturally uh, usher them into um, uh, a season of rest, God. Usher them into to rest tonight as they lay their heads on their pillow tonight. That your word says you give your beloved beloved perfect sleep. And I pray for rest for their souls tonight, God. I pray, Father, for uh, just rest for their spirits. Rest in their, um, in their minds and peace, God. And we just thank you for this night. We thank you for this time. And, Father, we just want to take this moment to just commit 2015 to you, God. We want to recommit 2015 to you, God. And we thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We thank you again for coming out, and you are dismissed.